Hello and welcome to another episode of Hospitality MD. My name is Greg Fergoso. Joining me as always is Kyle Allison. Kyle, how are you doing today? Always good, Greg. Always good. Good, good. Uh, I'm doing good as well. I'm very excited for today's episode. Do you know why? I think I have an idea. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Uh, we have a very special guest with us today. She has worked at hotels in New York, Portland, and even London. Uh, she's currently the front office manager at the prestigious Waldorf Astoria in Beverly Hills, California, which has been recently named by Forbes magazine as one of the top 52 Hilton branded hotels in the world and one of 2018's world's most luxurious hotels and also voted sixth best hotel in the U.S. by CN Travelers 2018 Reader's Choice Awards. So please welcome Katrina Wolf um, to the show. Hello. Hello. Uh, before we get started, uh, just one little question to ask you, kind of break the ice here. What is something that made you smile today? Oh, my dog in his Patriots jersey and the <laughs> Patriots winning <laughs> oh, <laughs> against wow. the Jets, uh, 30 to 14. Three oh, weeks in a row, 30 score or uh, higher. So. Yeah, yeah it, uh, I have Edelman on my fantasy team, and it kind of sucked that he went out on me. But um, he put up 19 points before he did, so <laughs> I guess I could be happy with that. Um, yeah, so I'll go ahead, Kyle, if you want to take it away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first of all, again, thank you so much for being here with us. Very excited to, to talk to you today. Um, I'm looking at your resume and at your LinkedIn. I noticed you've been, from what I can tell, in the, in the hospitality since 2013, started school in hospitality in 2010. So you, you've been kind of in the game for, for a while now. Um, but I'm I'm wondering if there's something that I'm not seeing on your resume. Like, what's what was your first introduction to hospitality um, that kind of led you to begin school in it and then ultimately working in hotels? Okay. Um, so I was very fortunate as a child to um, have a family that did prioritize traveling together and um, looking for a new experience together. Some of my first experiences were going to Hawaii when I was four years old. Um, we also went to Rome when I was eight and, you know, we definitely prioritized travel, but, uh, my biggest exposure to hospitality came through one of my hobbies, which was Irish step dancing. Uh, cool. so for 16 years, I was a competitive Irish dancer. Um, and that involved a lot of travel for not only local competitions, but regional, national and international competitions as well. Hmm. Um, and having kind of a bubbly and extroverted um, personality as a kid. My mom looked at me one day after I had been comparing and contrasting <laughs> hotel rooms that we were in currently to ones that we had stayed previously. She said, have you ever thought about, you know, maybe working in hotels? And I never had. Uh, at that point, I had wanted to be the next apprentice. And before that, wanted to be an architect. Um, but it just seemed like a very natural fit. And so I think from 13 on, I always wanted to work in hotels um, and in resorts in some capacity. Uh, and now that's kind of where I find myself. <laughs> it's actually a very similar story to Kyle. Kyle's mom has got him into uh, working in hotels. Yeah, my mom, like, being a flight attendant and everything. Oh, um, wow. She's, I mean, I've got the United uh, posters in the back. So my mom, like, she allowed me to travel, go around with her, and applied for my first hotel job for me so wow. you know she she knew I was going to enjoy it before I even knew and um you know 
but however, I don't think it was, it didn't click for me at, at 13. It clicked for me once I actually got behind the front desk and started, and started working. Um, so you, you got exposure from a young age, you know, your mom kind of planted the seed for you. And then, so when it was time to like go to college, kind of graduate high school and, and do that, was that just like, okay, where am I going to school for hospitality or how did that play out? Yes. So I, I've always been a very singularly focused kind of person, even though um, I have diverse interests. Uh, so when I set my heart on something, I kind of pursue it with everything that I have. So when it came to hospitality um, and being in high school, I think even as a freshman, I was looking at which is the best programs, not only restricting it to you know our nation, but worldwide. Um, had been very dead set and determined on a few schools that I was definitely going to apply to. And so by the time kind of senior year rolled around, I, I just was very prepared to put in applications and knew exactly where I wanted to place them. So um, you ended up in Denver then, right? Yes, I did. Okay. And was that your first experience and exposure to a, like, real life hospitality scenario or had you dabbled with working in, in any environment prior I had to that? I dabbled or? with customer service. Um, I unfortunately turned 16 around the financial crisis and then everybody had kind of upped their age of hiring to 18. Mm -hmm. um, probably in the best interest of some people who really needed the work. But for me, of course, I was, you know, trying really hard to kind of put something onto a CV for when I presented it to colleges saying that, you know, like I have some experience and I want to keep pursuing it, but I just didn't have that opportunity prior to college. Um, and even in college, it was a little bit difficult at times to kind of try and put that together because I'm from Massachusetts and I was going to school in Denver, Colorado. And so trying to put together job opportunities back home while being in another state was very difficult as well. Uh, I was fortunate enough to find some work-study jobs on campus and volunteered to assist with things as well. Um, but I did have some difficulty getting things put together until, uh, until 2013 when I had my internship in London. So that internship was your first time setting foot into a hotel in a working capacity in a working capacity yes um so I, how was that i mean a, your first exposure <laughs> to a hotel was a large box thousand plus room hotel on an international uh basis um in a city that you were i would assume unfamiliar with um working Minimally at the highest volume with, yes. like operation tell me about like your first impressions of setting foot behind the scenes into a hotel for the first time? Oh, it was so much fun. Uh, I know that the, the first part of um, the kind of training, because I basically built this internship myself. Um, at that point, uh, in order to require, uh, in order to um, graduate from the University of Denver, you needed to have a thousand hours of work experience and 500 of them needed to be within an internship capacity. Um, and I was struggling so hard <laughs> to get an internship. Because again, I had aspirations to a more international career. I had 
um, not really any resources to stay in Denver, Colorado over the summer. So my options of picking things that the school had relationships with were a little bit narrower as well. So I was really hungry <laughs> to make something work. And I went back home actually to Boston and volunteered uh, to help run the World Championship Spirish Dance, which were happening there. And I knew some of the coordinators with and that got me put into the way of the next host hotel, which was the hotel that I ended up interning at. Um, so their director of operations had come over to see how it was set up in Boston, um, some of the hotel logistics that they would kind of need to iron out on their site as well. And I went and introduced myself. And I got his card and he said, okay, we'll send me your resume. And I sent it the next day. <laughs> and. <laughs> Um, you know, the difficulty was, of course, uh, acquiring a visa, which has, you know, it's, it's a very difficult thing to try and figure out when you're 20 years old and, you know, no one you know is doing that. Um, but I figured out a loophole and found a way to do it. And so for about 13 weeks over the summer, I went. My first experience was front office. Um, and I always thought like I would be good at the front office and of course learning some of the technicalities of it um, did come actually pretty easily even though uh, God bless everyone in Hilton with on cue it's a little more challenging <laughs> than, uh, <laughs> than a lot of the other um, property management systems but um, came very naturally progressed through food and beverage I actually um, did participate in some of their meeting uh, that were planning for the next year's world championships, did some social media for them as well. I really kind of was able to build out the structure that I wanted and, you know, it was, it was just so much fun, you know? Um, and I was the only one who was able to figure that out in my class. And I was really proud of the fact that I was able to take something that I think everybody thought, oh God, how is she going to make this work and made it work and made it really work for me um, because it was such it was such a great experience. Difficult, yes. Um, impossible, no. And uh, definitely very rewarding. Um, I still have a lot of the same friendships and some mentorships from that property as well, which I've carried out um, throughout you know, my career and I always have somebody I can go to, uh, the person who trained me at the front desk as well. I, I still go to him with questions sometimes. Um, so yeah, no, it was, a, it was a really rewarding kind of experience that I built from the ground myself. And I think that's why I have so much pride in that. Um, and I think that's what distinguishes it on a resume as well. When I was starting to apply for post-collegiate careers and opportunities, was you know the fact that I made something happen myself. I you know I didn't have the benefit of being at a career fair, and finding somewhere that I could easily get to, and you know everything kind of came from my own two hands. Okay, um, so front office then safe to say that was your favorite uh, department that that you were exposed to. That one and the duty manager position. So I ended up changing the last section of it to be um, with a duty manager. And, you know, I, I stayed over every single day too to kind of be there and see things that happened overnight versus during the day as well. Um, but no, I think that that one was my favorite one was just seeing the complexity of how everything kind of interacts. And especially when, you know, you go into an overnight situation where you are the person who makes the decisions and you are the one who has to solve the problems. 
you know, it was definitely an eye opener, but it also, it just kept, everything just felt so new and exciting and it just kept feeding that passion, that desire um, to move forward and keep going. So then from that internship, you know, primarily front office and kind of manager on duty, you're kind of drawn to that. And then you go to the Waldorf and correct me if I'm wrong, that would be housekeeping manager was your first role there at the Waldorf yes. New York? Um, so what was the, what was the, was that kind of like just what they had open and you were like, I'm going for it or, um, you just wanted to like diversify your resume. Like, tell me a little bit about your experience in housekeeping at an iconic New York city, uh, luxury property. So, uh, the Waldorf Astoria was an interesting opportunity that came around because my school had selected me and nine other pupils to go to the international hotel. Uh, rooms show in New York City um, and with that um, you know there was the opportunity to interview for some management and training programs the Waldorf New the Waldorf Astoria New York has its own uh, training program its own kind of management development program if you will um, which I applied to and a week later got um, confirmation that I had you know been accepted to and I put aside everything else and I said that's it you know because when you have the opportunity to go work at the greatest of them all, you do it. Um, the greatest of them all, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, housekeeping, I was not excited about. When okay. a week or two, uh, two weeks before I started, I got an email and a phone call from uh, my first boss, Jeff, who was the executive housekeeper. And, you know, introducing me to the fact that I would be starting in housekeeping and I was, to say the least, a little intimidated, <laughs> um, just knowing the labor market that New York has. And number two, uh, just felt completely out of my depth because obviously, you know, I had some good experience in an internship, but had never been in housekeeping prior. Um, so walking in to an environment which you know is going to be challenging. I remember my interview with the general manager at the time, Eric Long, who I think everybody who's worked at the Waldorf Astoria in the last 30 years knows that name. Um, but, you know, he said, this isn't, in, this isn't a program where we hold your hand, where, you know, somebody's going to be there to, you know, answer all your questions. This is a program where we expect you to work hard. And, you know, it's going to be difficult. And we don't want to take in people who are not going to understand that. And of course, you know, my immediate answer is I know what you want and I'm it. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, which I thought was going to go one of two ways and I'm glad it went my way. <laughs> um, but, you know, I had to kind of go back to that kind of mentality a lot during especially the first couple of months of learning the ropes of housekeeping. Um, the Waldorf Australia New York's training program is unlike anything um, to my knowledge that exists. I had a week of training and then I was responsible and I was a manager, you know, it was, it wasn't shadowing as much as, you know, these are the tools, these are who you need to know for this, go. And so I was um, relief for somebody who was a zone leader. So basically took care of 350 rooms during the daytime. And then three days a week did um, the PM operations, which would be either myself and one other person or just myself for the entire 1400 room property. Um, so a lot of responsibility very quickly, which you either, you either rise to the occasion or you, or you don't, you know? And I think that that's, you know, 
the virtue of that program, possibly the vice too, um, is that it's a very, you know, you're in the deep end, sink or swim sort of um, experience. But I think a lot of the time when you find yourself in those, you do rise a lot higher than you thought you could because the expectation is set to a point where you understand what you're meant to deliver. And because of the legacy that you're upholding within that iconic hotel and that legacy that people dedicated 30, 40, 50 years of their lives to upholding, you know, you rise to the occasion and you, you shine, you know, everybody in that building had the chance, had the opportunity to really do something magnificent um, just by being there and just by, you know, being a part of it. And that was something that was both, you know, a little terrifying and extremely humbling to be a part of. Was that something that was the culture of, of that property that was kind of just living inside every single employee um, because of just the name that the hotel had? Or was that something that Eric Long and the leadership and human resources and all that really kind of uh, you know, ingrained into everybody who walked in the door is that you have a duty and a responsibility to maintaining the guest expectation and the expectation of this city and kind of that hotel's role in, in New York and, and beyond that. I think it's got to be both. Um, obviously, you're walking to an iconic property that opened, you know, in the 1800s and then reopened in its current location in the 30s. Um, you know the firsts that happened there. You know, the first hotel to abolish separate entrances for men and women, the first hotel to do in-room dining, first hotel to have air conditioning. All of these things, you know, the first, they're the people who push the edge of the envelope consistently and every day. They're the ones who want it to be better. Even if you have a great process, it could be better. How can we do it? How can we make it better? And I think that was um, an expectation of, upholding a legacy as well as leadership you know we had eric long who obviously you know was an extreme part of that legacy and then of course during my time we had um different general managers the last of which um uh, mr michael hoffman was you know instrumental in continuing as well and i think that that culture was just pervasive that this is a place that you have pride this is a place that you know you no matter what's going on outside you work here you know, you were chosen to be here and that means something. And sometimes it's confusing because, you know, on days where you're feeling like you're doing terrible, and, you know, nothing is going right or going to plan and you're going, why am I here? You know, that's, it's a centering fact as well as, you know, a harrowing one where, you know, why am I here? What am I doing? And also, you know, how did I get here and why was I selected? What to, what should I see in myself that others saw in me that brought me here as well, I think is a very big part of that. The culture of the property too was a lot about learning and development. Everybody's succession was planned out very thoroughly. Um, and to my knowledge, I think they had monthly meetings on planning succession and who would move where, when, um, all with the goal of getting you the most out of a role or an experience. I think you touched on something um pretty uh pretty big especially for us who work in hotels specifically operations which is when you're kind of put in a position where you have to operate at the highest level 
and there's no such thing as a bad day, at least not on the outside that you can project. Self-doubt, um, kind of maybe anxiety and, and um, you know, that pressure can start to sink in on you um, and it can start to get very real very fast. How do you combat that on a day-to-day -day basis and how do you encourage your team to combat those same feelings as well? Because I don't think there's not a single person who's clocked in or walked through the door of the hotel and just thought, oh my God, I don't know if I can do another day of this because the expectation <laughs> yes. is that high. I think everybody has those days regardless of the expectation that's set out from a property. I think especially, you know, when I was starting this job, I was just turning 22 and obviously, you know, you're an adult, but you don't really know who you are in the context of an adult space, you know, exiting college and coming into a workplace is a confusing thing. Um, and trying to grapple with, you know, now I'm trying to find an apartment in New York and now I'm trying to do this. And also I have a, a really big union problem that I just found myself in the middle of that I didn't know that uh, had happened. You <laughs> they know, don't tell you about that, do they? Oh, the amount of things that got sprung on you <laughs> that you were like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> um, you know, these are all things that I think everybody has. And on top of that, to any family things going on. I mean, a lot of people walk in the door and it's, it's not their only concern, you know. And I think for a, a long time, people have just, you know, tried to kind of stuff everything outside that's going on in order, you know, to keep going in a career. But a lot of times I find personally that until I'm able to acknowledge the picture as a whole, it's, it's usually not going to work out for me very well. Um, there were plenty of times where, you know, I'd, you know, be upset or, you know, frustrated um, and not because of necessarily things I was doing wrong, but things that just weren't going right. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I have team members every day who, you know, something's going on at home, something happened that, you know, obviously it's, I'm not privy to and I have, you know, no business being privy to, but, you know, you can tell that something's up. And I think the biggest thing that I strive for myself as well as, you know, for the other people, take the 30 seconds, you know, take the half a minute to just refocus back on, you know, what we're here in the moment for and letting the rest of it go, you know, and sometimes it takes more than 30 seconds. Maybe you need 10 minutes to go outside, walk around the building once, come back in, you know, and just let it out. Um, a lot of times, sometimes guest interactions can be really challenging too. And, you know, everything you did was just not enough. And, you know, of course, guests are, you know, what drive the business, but also can be a little bit difficult to handle on a personal level when maybe you're not all there, or even if you are all there, it can be difficult too. So especially when things are going on outside, I tell all of my team members, you know, just take the 30 seconds longer to make sure what you're doing right now comes out right. Because the last thing you want to do is end up having a conversation with somebody because something's going on outside and they just didn't take the time to make sure what they were doing in that moment happened correctly. You know, you don't want to add to somebody's stress or struggles. You, you want to try and detract from it, you know. My door is always open. My team members know that while I can be difficult and <laughs> expect a lot from them, that more than anything, I'm in their corner for them. I'm the one that will wipe the sweat. I will, I will be the one to cheer them on. 
And if they didn't know that, they wouldn't feel comfortable coming to me and, you know, telling me a little bit about what's going on. And then how would I ever know and how would I ever, you know, try and advise them or see if there's a way we can work around a situation too, you know, illness, um, you know, family things, you know, like there's a lot of things that go on on a day-to-day basis that we just don't know and we're not privy to. And I just, I think that more than anything, it's just taking that 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Make sure that, you know, you're breathing through it, that you're, you know, you're refocusing on what is here right in front of you right now. Um, you know, there are a lot of days that I think everybody wants to walk out, you know, because <laughs> they're tired of being the punching bag or, you know, maybe we should all get punching bags in our offices. <laughs> it might be great stress relief. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, just again, it's always, it always comes down to the intentionality of what we're doing um, and that we're doing things fully with our full selves. If we can't give more, we can't give more than what we have. So ultimately, if you're not 100%, you're not going to be able to give 100%, you know, and recognizing that, understanding that, you know, everybody has bad days, everybody has bad months, years sometimes, you know, things happen and things spiral out of control. But that doesn't mean that you can't give what your best is in that moment. And recognizing that your best doesn't always meet the standard of what your overall best is, but still being okay with that on a human level, I think is the most important thing on those days where it's where you're just ready to walk. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you, have you found that not only with yourself, maybe with your team that just getting out there and giving your all to the guests and immersing yourself in the essence of hospitality can fuel you and can kind of block out at least temporarily what's going on in your personal life or all the pressures that are kind of weighing down on you is hospitality a remedy to stress and to life and just to the burden of just shit that happens i think that it can be i think it can also accelerate it it's up to you on how you choose to let it go because ultimately that kind of um, that adrenaline rush that gets, that you get from the interactions with the guests, with, you know, the things that you're preparing and everything can either fuel you in a very positive way, or it can add, and you have to be the one to control and see where it's going before it gets there. So that way you can either pump the brakes or speed straight ahead. Um, I know for me, sometimes I have a tendency to, you know, go all in for everything and then it gets to be a little overwhelming um but honestly it it can be a haven from what you're experiencing outside of work too i mean it's kind of like you put whatever's going on outside in the box and the box goes in the closet for while you're at work you know and i think some people will say oh well isn't that just putting on a mask isn't that you know just kind of faking it whatever faking it till you make it does work it doesn't work the best, you know, sometimes you do have to go back and unpack the box of whatever's going on and figure it out. But when you're in that moment, when you're in the situation and you're still looking to perform at a high level, that can be a very useful tool in your toolbox to, you know, coping with a short-term stressor. If it's a long-term stressor, there's really no avoiding having your box unpacked and being there with everything kind of out, but still you're doing your best and striving your best is, you know, is the most important thing and having pride in the work that you put out will always make whatever you come back to feel better. 
Absolutely. Well said. Um, so right now in your roles that you've had and, and in your current role, you do a lot of kind of, you know, it not maybe you still obviously take care of the guests, but you do a lot of, of with your team and with, with those around you. Um, you know, I, I don't want to underplay your or undervalue the experience you had uh, volunteering uh, in, in India. Um, mm -hmm. I believe one of your, your description for that was, uh, let me see, I want to pull it up right now. I don't want to, I don't want to, um, to butcher it. Yeah, I have it here. So, yeah, go ahead, Greg. Uh, it's aided the poor with Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity in Kolkata, India, at one of their homes for the dying, assisted in giving people not only medical aid, but caregiving and uplifted them by affirming their human dignity for the month of June 2011. Uplifting them and affirming their human dignity of people who are dying. Yes. Okay, so that's pretty heavy. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I know we got to work on a transition into that one i don't know if there is a good one though <laughs> well i think you know you you were able to do that yes. and does that make any everything else that you deal with easier does that make the guest yelling at you or yelling at your team member because um you know because they couldn't get checked in at 6 30 in the morning coming after, out of the sold-out night or, you know, uh, only having one slipper in the room, you know, something like that, does, does dealing with probably the heaviest thing that you could deal with and being the person responsible for affirming their basic human dignity, does that help you at all? Does that make everything else easier? Like, tell me about that. There are a couple of things that, you know, working in a place with abject poverty really bring you and the first and foremost is a perspective that's greater than what you walked in with you know um that perspective sometimes lends me to go you know looking at luxury hospitality specifically and saying you know is there a need for this in some regard you know when you have people who you have children who are super gluing bottle caps onto water bottles in india and selling them because they have no other form of income, it does really force you to think, is this a necessary thing? Is this, is this actually, you know, responsible to be perpetuating in some ways? Um, and while, you know, it does seem a little bit at odds, I would say that yes, it does. Every single person is worth something, you know, inherently, not because of what they built, not because of where they come from, who, who they are, is why they matter, you know? And when you're working in a situation, obviously I was working in a home for the dying. These are people who are on the streets. They are completely abandoned and their dignity has been, you know, made to shame. And that's a terrible thing to watch, you know? And to sit on the sidelines of that and watch people check into a five-star hotel can feel very difficult at times. But the fact of the matter is, and if you look at, you know, if you look at any of the words of Mother Teresa, who I feel very connected to, um, partially due to, of course, that experience um, in Calcutta, 
it's about doing small things with great love and that you may be a drop in the ocean, but the ocean would be less because of that drop missing. So when I look at hospitality as a means of affirming people that they, their existence matters, it still holds true. It's the same sort of work. Is it, you know, scrubbing out, um, you know, laundry from, you know, a room full of beds where people, you know, are, are waiting to die? No, it's not. It's much easier than that, you know. Sure. But a lot of people in a lot of times are they're traveling for reasons that are unbeknownst to you. And who they are, what they've built could be two separate things completely. You know, um, we're, we're fortunate to have a really extensive, you know, guest list of, you know, a veritable who's who of the world. But their worth is not determined by who the world has made them. It's by who they are just being them. And I think that that's what I've always tried to recognize in people, in children, too, when they're traveling as well. Children, I think, sometimes get overlooked the most. That can be, you know, the, one of the most special relationships that you build with a guest is through their children as well. You know, each person is equal in dignity and in value. No matter, you know, if you're spending, you know, $700 on your room or you're spending 25000 to be in the presidential suite, you are of equal value. And you deserve to be treated in that way. When I look at hospitality, when I, you know, have guests over myself, you know, my goal is to treat them with the love that I have in my heart and acknowledge that they are worth something too. And I think that's where um, I connect very easily with people is um, the fact that I, I recognize that, you know, my worth and your worth are equal. And that puts anybody, any head of state, anybody on the same playing field as any other person. The homeless person on the street corner is of equal value to the person checking into the five-star hotel. And knowing that and having that base knowledge and trying to affirm someone's dignity um, throughout anybody's work, I think is the most important undertaking anybody can have in any career. I've been able to find joy in doing it through hotels. And a lot of people find it in activism and in a bunch of different uh, capacities, lawyers, you know, human rights attorneys. There are people who find ways to affirm another person's existence in the world. And I think that, you know, hospitality has a power and a way of doing that that's unlike anyone else because we're here for your memories. We're here to facilitate that, that growth, that connection to the people around you, to the surroundings that you're in, but also to yourself. And, you know, whatever you're going through, whatever's happening, when you check into, you know, the hotels that I work at, my goal is to make sure that you feel like you're the president, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you feel like you're the one who's staying in the best suite, no matter what, you know? And I think that that should be everybody's goal is to make the people around them feel their worth, you know? Even sometimes if you don't feel it for yourself, to, feel, to help someone feel their worth, I think is, is a very, it's a lofty goal, obviously, and it's probably not the whole goal of the hospitality industry, but when I look at both, you know, the founder of Hilton's vision as well as, you know, um, our, our current CEO, Chris Nassetta, I feel like that really is the vein that runs through it all, is that that affirming of human dignity and value 
despite regardless of whatever has been built around them or whatever the world has created that person to be. So um, you, you danced for a long time. Do you think that has something to do with it? I mean, uh, somebody to be able to sit back and enjoy a performance and to kind of feel that energy and to just be a part of that experience of that culture and witnessing that, um, to me, that would be affirming their human dignity. Is that something that you realized that you were doing when you were a child and you were dancing? Is that something that didn't occur to you until you had to do that in, in India? Or is that something that you just, for as long as you can remember, it just was a part of you? I think that I've always had a, a talent and a skill with people, um, especially one-on-one, -on -one, but in groups too, you know, um, where I, I connect with people and even if they can't see it in themselves, I see the good in them. And I think that's what everybody should try and do. It's difficult sometimes, obviously, um, you know, with somebody shouting uh, about their room not being ready. It can be difficult to acknowledge their value and their uh, virtue as well. But I think that, you know, um, I think also partially being, you know, raised uh, with Catholicism too, you know, it was always in, it was always in my best interest to acknowledge the value of others as well. And that, you know, you exist as part of a body, as part of a community. Um, however big the scale of the community that you want to, you know, draw is up to you, of course. Um, but I really do think that, you know, ever since I was little, I've always wanted to help people. I've always wanted to be helpful to people. Um, and I've always had a very natural ease in connecting with people. And so I think it's, it's just kind of a continuity <laughs> within me. I think a lot of people discover continuities within themselves, though. And that's not something I would have, you know, figured maybe 10 years ago is what I was doing. But when you have the revelation or the personal revelation of seeing, you know, what impact you make now or what impact you hope to make, you do see the threads within your own tapestry of your life um, that you've woven yourself. And hopefully you keep weaving with it. And I think um, it's kind of on a tangible basis safe to say that you've recently kind of reached the epitome of that um, with your manager of the quarter win at your property, which congratulations, by the way, that's Thank a very you. big deal. That's <laughs> very, very exciting to, to see you win that. And especially now after talking with you, it makes perfect sense. Greg, would you mind pulling the quote of one of her personal concierges, what she had to say about yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the Manager of the Quarter Award is actually what led me to discovering you on LinkedIn and, and brought this interview uh, together because I, I think we had a mutual contact that um, liked the, the post. So um, so that comment here is, uh, it's a privilege to have you as our manager. Learning from you is endless. You are so passionate and one of the smartest people I have ever known. Thank you for being a great leader. Yeah. <laughs> you you know who, who wrote that, correct? Yes, I do. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that probably comes as no surprise to you, um, you know, kind of considering that um, you live the hospitality lifestyle on a daily basis. Um, 
is there anything that you do um, you know each and every day with your team at your hotel um, that you think kind of got you to, to that to that win and to to kind of just be recognized in a formal way for being able to affirm people's dignity and make everybody feel like the president when they're checking in? Well, I think that, you know, there are a lot of things that went into that win. And obviously, I think longevity of consistently delivering definitely helped with that. Um, and then, of course, some more recent things, which, you know, which was the more immediate cause for me to get nominated as well. But my team know that I'm that I'm there. They're, I'm in their corner 100% of the time. Even if they make maybe not the decision I would have made, I'll back them up and I will, you know, we'll figure it out moving forward what we do next. My team yeah. knows that I'm there 100% for them, not just as, you know, their manager and to tell them what they did wrong, but also to affirm what they did right. And also, you know, as a person, you know, again, like my door is always open. Uh, my team member talks to me not just about work items. And in fact, a lot of my team members have desires and talents that are, lie outside of hospitality. You know, we benefit from a wide, I call them like a cast of characters. We have, you know, people who want to be actors, people who wanted to start their own clothing lines, people who have ambitions um, that, you know, maybe this is not, you know, their end goal but it's gonna get them to where they want to be and always working for them and recognizing that my function as their manager is to make them successful and to make them shine. That's, that's the most important thing to me. And I think that's why, you know, I mean, it's, it's great to hear comments like that. And I, it's, you know, I've had other team members who have resigned who went on to pursue passions that they had um, who, you know, came up to me and said, well, you know, what a difference that I made. And ultimately, you know, if I turn it right back on them, no, it's the difference that you make. You're the one who builds yourself, right? You're the one who chooses every day the level of commitment that you're going to give. I am so proud to be a person who facilitates that commitment and making sure that, you know, you do your absolute best, that I give you the tools to do your best, and that I hold you accountable to you and your best. Um, and you know, that's my job as your manager and also my job as a human to, you know, help you progress and bring you up, up along with me. My success doesn't matter if I don't bring people with me. My success means nothing if there's nothing that, you know, that pulls others up and uplifts someone else into what they would like to do. And I think that, you know, if you, if you look at the way that I've conducted my team, we have a lot of fun. Um, you know, it can be difficult and I think it's important to, you know, be silly at the appropriate times <laughs> and, you know, encourage those, you know, those fun kind of conversations, interactions and, you know, to take a moment to just enjoy what we're doing and what we've accomplished, but also to know that there's always more and that there's always something else that you can be pursuing, something else you can always be doing better. Um, and I think that comes from the dance too, <laughs> dancing, sure. you know, always, you know, the, the self-perfecting and, you know, the focusing the energy on, you know, the team and what everybody perfects in themselves adds to the team's overall value and the team's overall output as well, I think is the, is the thing that probably, you know, really kind of tipped, tipped the scales in my favor <laughs> in getting that award. Absolutely. I think there's um, there's a correlation with people who are creative, um, 
artistic and, and kind of uh, hospitality and that team driven like you know your talent as an individual with your dancing didn't really mean anything because you were one part of the whole team and you guys were you won it together like mm -hmm. this manager of the quarter win for you it sounds like you know to me what you're saying is it was a team win you know it that always manager is. of the quarter win was for the front office and that was for every single person on your team it always is it's not i don't think that you can recognize one person without recognizing the environment that either you know they've helped facilitate the creation of or the environment that you know got propelled them to that level you know so obviously yes i'm extremely proud of myself but i'm proud of myself every day because i know when i finish my day i've done everything that i possibly can to do my best and to deliver something that's excellent and if it's not excellent i'm not going to deliver it you know but i think that's also a product of you know a lot of years of discipline and hard work and a lot of varieties and a lot of different capacities, uh, dance, um, playing classical piano, like those things do facilitate it, absolutely. But carrying out the commitment is not only about what you're committing to as an overall thing, but also committing to your sense of self and your sense of pride in the work that you've put out to, I think is extremely important in that. Do you have anything else you want to say um or Greg, do you have anything you want to ask? Like, I, I want you to make sure that you've got everything out there that you want to talk about. Um, I pretty much have said most of what I want to say. Um, I will say I agree with you that, you know, creative endeavors don't just, I think there's sometimes a tendency to think that those who pursue things that are creative as children or even as adults, that it doesn't really yield anything. Um, but being, you know, the daughter of very creative <laughs> parents, as well as the sibling to seven other very creative and talented individuals, um, you know, I think that you learn a lot from committing to something that takes a long time to build. You know, I think a lot of things in our culture right now are about the instant gratification. The, oh, well, I did this for a week. Why isn't there a result? Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't win this award for two years since I've, you know, been at this property. And before that, I had never won any recognition. You know, there are a lot of people who do a lot of great work and deserve the attention and the recognition that they get. And I think a lot of people's tendencies to go, well, oh, well, I deserved it too, or I worked really hard too. But it's about the long game in the end, you know, and... I think what dance, piano, all of those things have taught me was, you know, the gradual changes that happen over time can yield a more fulfilling result than something that you can get instantaneously. And that it means a lot more when it takes that long. Um, you know, hotels is all about, you know, ownership and, you know, getting things done now. And it's the urgency, the urgency, the urgency. And I think sometimes people translate that sense of urgency into, well, why am I not getting what I'm giving right now? And, you know, to that, I would just direct them to, you know, to patience, you know, because a lot of times in my career, I've sat there and I've thought, well, I've done a really great job. <laughs> you know, I've been working really hard and I'm getting no recognition. Why is that? 
you know, but taking the back seat and understanding the fact that, you know, there's still a lot more for, for you to achieve. And that to be recognized for something means that you've been excellent. And excellence doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a couple months. It takes years of process of building for yourself and also, you know, the processes around you being built too sometimes. And having that commitment to the long game is always going to be more fulfilling than the short-term gratification of something that's instantaneous. Nobody really wants a participation medal. Nobody <laughs> wants the little trophy that said number two, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you want to push, you want, you want to go for number one. And sometimes that takes longer than you expect, but that makes it just that sweeter when you do, when you do reach that. So, yes, I think that, you know, we need to recognize that we're in a world that needs to slow down just a little bit you know, not be any less ambitious, not be any less hardworking or detail oriented, but to understand that the fruits of labor don't happen. You know, some trees don't, don't fruit, don't bear fruit every year. Does that mean that it's not a fruit tree? No. It just means that it's not the time. And to take the time and, you know, recognize that, you know, there are a lot of things that you can work on all at the same time even if you're not making the gains in the one place that you want them, you are making them in another area, perhaps, you know, or that if you aren't, you can expand to look at your horizons differently and that you're a whole person. You're not your job. You're not, you know, the role that, you know, you've been selected for. You're a whole person and to develop all of you, not just one part. Very, very well said, Katerina. Very Thank well you said. so much. Greg, do you have any final words, anything you want to say? It's impossible to follow up on that, so thank you very <laughs> much for being here. Yeah, What made course. you smile today, Greg? <laughs> oh, what made me smile today? Uh, this interview. It was great. Thank you for coming on. Awesome. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me. All right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye.